my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Questions for God. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. If you have any questions, you can text them to our desk at 0438 This week we're asking one really big question. How relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium? Today, we ask, what claims does the Bible make concerning itself? Our specialist in the hot seat today is Eric Hoare. Eric is a recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Eric, it's fantastic to have you with us. Great to be here. Comes around quick. It certainly does. It hardly seems a week since you were in here last time. That's right. And petrol's even cheaper. It, it is. It is. <laughs> At this rate, they'll be paying us to uh, to take it off their hands. Eric, tell us, the Bible, um, what's your favourite book of the Bible? If you were to read uh, some portion of the Bible just for a, a devotional purpose, where would you read well, my favourite, it's not really a book actually, it, I actually just love the parables. I love just reaching through in the parables because to me, God's got hidden meanings and every time I read a parable, no matter how many times I read it, there's always something new in those parables. I just love them. He takes the things around him, God did, and Jesus, and he made it into something special. He took things that we can relate to and even the you know disciples at the time didn't understand what was happening, you know? Yeah. But he used yeah. them powerful and every time I read them, I get more out of them. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you totally there, Eric. You know, to me, one of the uh, things I, I enjoy preaching on is actually the parables because there's so much in them. There is so much depth in, in them in what are remarkably similar, uh, uh, simple stories. Mm. Yeah, no. being from New Zealand, there's a lot of sheep stories. You know? That's very good, actually, very true, isn't it? You know, it's, it's good to have the uh, the agricultural type uh, type setting. You know, Eric, the Bible is a really, to me, it's an exciting book, uh, and yet most people see it very much as a as a standalone type book. Yet in reality. It's not. It's it's not one book. It's actually this compilation of sixty six smaller smaller books. You know, you've got all these books of history. There's ancient legislative writings. There's biographies. Uh, there's songs. There's poetry. You know, there's carefully researched books. There's books of prophecy. There seems to be just so much in in this uh, this book. You know, if you want to go into something deep. It's there. If you want to read some poetry, it's there. If you want to make some music and sing, it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, that book, the, as in the, the book as we call the Bible, the youngest books in the Bible are 2,000 years old. You know, that's, that's an amazing, uh, an amazing age, supported by thousands of ancient manuscripts or f- and fragments. You know, Eric, the thing that really stands out to me about the Bible is that there's just this huge conglomeration of, uh, of uh, papyrus, of manuscripts, of fragments that actually supports the Bible. Yesterday, we actually had uh, Pastor Mark Wilson in here, and my desk was literally covered with 
pieces of pottery and uh, replicas of uh, of things that uh, he had come across in uh, uh, places like the British Museum that support uh, the, the scriptures. Now, tell me, tell me, Eric, um, we're going to, to to come to to you in just uh, in just a moment. But you know, the thing that really stands out to me are some of the myths that are out there about the Bible. You know, I I was reading a document a little while ago and someone said, hey, one of the greatest myths is it's unscientific. And yet, you know, Eric, the thing that stands out to me is that there are so many scientists that have actually written on the Bible. Just yesterday, I uh, I had the privilege of being able to, uh, uh, to to share with our listeners from Dr. John Lennox, and of course, uh, Dr. Lennox is a professor of mathematics at Oxford University, and uh, of course, his his area of study is mathematics, probably the most pure of the of the sciences, and uh, an incredibly intelligent man. And yet, one of his most recent books is entitled "Against the Flow." And what's it on? It's not on mathematics, but it's actually on the inspiration of Daniel for our age. And I looked at that and I sort of thought, hey, here's a man who un- who comes from a deep scientific background, and yet he's writing on the Bible, and he writes in support of the scriptures. In fact, some of the things that he he said, I just uh, I shared a little bit this uh, yesterday. But do you know one of the things I'm so conscious of is that some of our listeners may have missed it. This is this is what he says in his book: the fulfilment of supernatural prophecy lies at the heart of what Christianity is. To claim to be a Christian and not take it seriously is a contradiction in terms. Mm. Do you know? To me, I think it's a beautiful thing mm. that we've got. Science people who are prepared to back up uh, what the scriptures do actually say and what they do actually teach. Mm. This, to me, this is powerful. Yesterday we had Pastor Mark Wilson here, and he talked about uh, the the sheer amount of evidence that is out there to, that that refutes the claim that. It's been changed because so many folk out there um, have this secular viewpoint is that there's so much in the Bible that's been changed. But Mark actually brought in here a uh, an ancient scroll. Well, it's actually a replica of an ancient scroll, but it was 26 feet long. Have you ever seen a 26-foot-long scroll, no, Eric? No, I haven't. He brought a 26. It couldn't actually go from one side of our room to the other side of the room here. But it's a replica of the ancient Isaiah scroll. And the thing that blew me away is that what we find in that scroll, written a hundred years before Christ, is precise, is exactly the same as that which we find a thousand years later. How powerful is um uh is that sort of uh that sort of evidence but eric look we're going to come to that we're going to come to you in just a moment because i want to ask you a few a few questions about uh about the bible and uh, um because I, I want you to share with us because i know that you're a real student of the of the scriptures but until uh, but but let's come to some music first. I uh, I love this uh, this song. This is a song by Michael W. Smith. Uh, the words are ancient words. It's actually referring to the words of the of the scriptures.
Faith FM Drive Time, Big Questions for God with Pastor Garrick and, and Eric Hoare. This is the program where we look each week at the difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. If you have questions, you can text them to our desk at 0438 635 Today I've got with me Eric Hoare. Eric is a recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Church and we're asking the big question, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium? And we start by asking a more particular question, what does the Bible claim about itself? Is it really that different to a novel? Eric, tell us, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium? What is the Bible claiming about itself? Help us out. Well, Pastor Gary, you know, um, as Christians, we believe that the Bible is a divine product. Mm-hmm. In other words, Scripture is divinely inspired in that God actively works through the process and had his hand in the outcome of what Scriptures say. Inspired Scripture is simply written revelation. Scripture is not only man's word, but also and equally God's word spoken through man's lips or written with man's pen. And, you know, Gary, when you look up the word inspiration, where does it actually come from? Well, it comes from the Latin inspiratus which means to breathe into, to inspire. And in English has the meaning, the drawing of air into the lungs since the middle of the 16th century. So God breathed his word. He, 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 he told people what to say through the Holy Spirit. This is actually a this is actually a really big big picture that you're painting here, Eric. Because uh, what I'm conscious of uh, in in this sort of a picture is that um, a, a normal book or a novel um, gets its inspiration from where? Well, it's from imagination, isn't it? it and it, from men's. You know, thinking plus his experiences on life. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's been some marvelous books written out there, but they all come from human, human mind. But you know, as that, that passage that you, that you read, um, just there, to me, I think is really important because it, it says something that we, um, that, that really pushes the Bible into a category, all of its, uh, all of its own. Do you know, I, um, 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 
Oh, look, you're probably going to come to it in a moment. I'm probably jumping in front of you again. Eric, I'm really sorry about doing that. Keep on going. Oh, that's good. You know, um, it, uh, well, it mentions in John 1, 1 to 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. And him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And later in John, it says, in John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And, of course, that's talking about Jesus, the Word, that he came and, uh, came, in and uh, you know, came to the world. But just imagine this, Gary. You take this for instance, right? Do you think that it's reasonably possible that 40 men from various backgrounds, from different education upbringing, because forty, that's how many people actually actually were involved in the the, the writing of the Bible. The Bible. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yep. And scattered across more than a thousand years in time, mm. a thousand mm. years in time, could have designed some sixty-six books. Six, let's say it's machinery, sixty-six metal components, which accidentally came together to form a precision machine that would revolutionise the world. Mm. Mm. It's like. Mm. <laughs> It's like putting your clothes in the washing machine, getting the wheel round a few times, then throwing out and everything's pressed and ironed and in place. Mm. Impossible. It has to be divinely put into place. And the, you've got to understand, too, that these authors, from a cultural and educational background, writing in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, produced 66 books that is characterized such an amazing unity and beautiful continuity as to be inexplicably on the basis of human origin. Mm. You know, um, some people say, but um, Eric, they say, but when we read the, some of the Gospels and they're given the account of the same thing, it doesn't seem to match up. You know, sometimes there's, a, there's differences, you know. Mm. For instance, um, if you take um, the account of the storm in Mark 4, uh, 35 to 41 when he talked about the storm Mark says but in the stern uh, asleep on a pillow was Jesus when mm-hmm. the storm mm-hmm. was raging mm-hmm. and they woke him and said um, teacher do you not care that we are perishing so Mark says that he was asleep on a pillow Mark 8 24 says he was asleep and Luke 8 they never mentioned this little pillow to me that gives me he was really peacefully asleep he put his head on a cushion but there are some things that left out it's like watching a uh, accident and we're all eyewitnesses to it and I guarantee you Pastor Gary that if we wrote this uh, a record of the same thing it would vary mm-hmm. and so the Holy Spirit you know was divinely in this but it was given our words put down but it was through his spirit I think what you're making here uh, Eric is actually a really important point because what it's doing is telling us how inspiration actually occurs you know there are some portions of the Bible where God literally uh, like for example the Ten Commandments is probably the best example you get the the, the Ten Commandments where God physically got his finger according to the scriptures and he wrote the, the actual words and we've got the actual words that God Wrote um, passed down by Moses in the uh, in Exodus twenty. So we've actually got physically the words that you know Jesus, that that God wanted Moses to get. But most of the Bible doesn't seem to have been inspired 
in the same way. Rather, what seems to have happened is the Holy Spirit seems to have touched a person's mind, Mm -hmm. uh, impacted their mind, and then the person has written out in their own words, the maybe the vision and the dream hmm. that they have uh, that they've been given. So I, I imagine that, for example, John in writing the book of Revelation uh, has been given a dream. He's been given big pictures of you know these these beasts that possibly that that, that he has seen, and he then sits down in his own words and he describes. He tries to use human language to describe what is actually actually taking place. Mm. And to me this is really important because what I think it what did I think it means is that when for example you get in the gospels uh, you get examples of that like you have just given there mm. so that um, you might have a detail recorded differently in different places mm. it doesn't actually mean it's in an inaccuracy mm. what it actually means is you've got two people describing the same event but in human terms does does that make sense yeah that's right you know um it's you know, men spoke from God as they were moved or guided by the Holy Spirit in places. Yeah, you know, yeah, it yeah. says, in, like in Second Peter one twenty one, that's what it says. And this is similar to like a businessman sometimes. You know, when God spoke, telling the secretary, like say um, a businessman, telling the secretary to write a letter, who was the author of the letter? It's the businessman. It's not the secretary. In the same way, the author of the Bible is God, not the men he used to write it. Mm. God mm. guided them to write his thoughts. The Bible really is the word of God, standing the test of time. I mean, prophecy is amazing. The thing that brought me uh, to know God in a really special way that changed my life was Daniel 2. Okay. okay. Because that, to me, is a... Uh, the remind, us what, the uh, remind us, what is Daniel 2? What, Daniel what is 2 that? was uh, back in uh, Daniel's day when King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Uh-huh. And Daniel was held captive. And the, the wise men and the, and the says they couldn't uh, decipher that. They, well, the king said, tell me the dream first, you know. Okay, so you get this, dr- this vision of this big dream. That, yep, this uh, big, big statue. Big statue, yeah. yeah he yeah. dreamt of a big statue. But he didn't tell them that. He said, I've had a dream. You, he pulled the wise men and said, you tell me what it mm-hmm. means. You know, what, what have I dreamt? And they couldn't. And he got furious and he threatened to put them to death. And then somebody um, went to uh, Daniel who was in the, in the cells and brought him up. And Daniel said, yes, I can interpret the dream. So he prayed to God. And he and he revealed the dream to King Nebuchadnezzar and said there was this great big statue made of various metals. Mm-hmm. And you're at the head. You're the Babylon, the gold. He was the king of Babylon. Mm-hmm. And then it described which kingdom would take over through the different metals all the way down to the feet where mm-hmm. we are today. Mm-hmm. You know, to that to me was told, this is told way back in the Old Testament. Yeah. That to me was living proof to me that here is a God who was describing. And I I say to anybody who's listening today who hasn't read Daniel 2, Mm. go and read read Daniel 2. Look at the interpretation, what it says, because Mm. it it interprets itself, the Bible. It's it's all explained. Yeah. Yeah. And then read the history books yeah. and see how it matches up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's and, accuracy. Yeah, and, and and that's that's something that really does jump out at me. And you know, to me, it's one of the great confirmations of the Bible uh, because what we've got, you know, you mentioned Daniel two there. We've got this um, vision that has been written down by Daniel in the sixth century yeah. BC. Now, you know, there are some. Uh, there are some scholars who are stand so amazed at this that what uh, 
progressive scholars actually say as well, that proves that it couldn't have been written in the 6th century. And they actually changed the dating of the book of Daniel. And they say, well, it must have been written in the 2nd century because what has been take, what has been prophesied here has been fulfilled with such accuracy that it can't have been written in the 6th century. The problem with that is that we have got, we have got proof that the book was written in the 6th century. You know, one of the most beautiful things that I found in, um, in my history, in my understanding of history, in my study, was when I realized that, um, um, that, um, the first king, um, Alexander the Great, sorry, the first king of, uh, of, um, of Greece, when he was going through the Middle East, he, he came to, uh, to Jerusalem and of course, he is prophesied in Daniel uh, chapter chapter 7. Mm. And what we find is that when he was going through the Middle East, he was conquering country after country after country. But he got to Jerusalem and the priests opened the doors of Jerusalem and they said to him, uh, Alexander, come in, Jerusalem is yours. And he couldn't understand it. He said, everyone else is fighting me. Why are, why are you just giving me Jerusalem? And at that point, they brought out the prophet uh, Daniel. And when the prophet Daniel, and they showed him where he had been named in the book of Daniel. Hmm. You know, as I, as I realized that the history actually backs up Daniel having been written in the 6th century, mm. I say what an amazing God mm. we actually serve because here is a God who's been able to tell the future. In fact, this is the point that um, I, one of the books I really appreciate is the book uh, Can We Still Believe the Bible and Does It Really Matter Anyway? And this one's written by Brian Ball. And folks, look, if you're interested in this subject at all, I'd, I'd encourage you to look up this book on the uh, uh, on the internet and possibly grab have a copy of it. Um, can we still believe the Bible and does it matter anyway? And uh, the uh, first chapter is entitled, Does It Really Matter? And then seven reasons why it does. And uh, then it talks about the Bible's claims for itself. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is the issue that we're talking about today, that the Bible has made some amazing claims mm-hmm. about itself. In fact, mm-hmm. you get in... Um, Second um, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. Mm. All Scripture is given by mm. inspiration of God. You see, uh, Eric, this is this seems to be making a claim about itself. Mm. In other words, this didn't come through human mind, mm. but rather it comes through the inspiration through the work of the Holy Spirit. What think you? Yeah, that's true. And, and the first verse in Second Peter 1, 20 to 21 says, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And you know, Pastor Gary, some people have challenged some of the historic stuff that you're mm. talking about. In the late 1800s, Sir William Ramsey, a scholar who was skeptical of the authenticity of the Book of Acts, set out upon an archaeological expedition in Asia Minor with the de- declared intention of disproving the historical accuracy of Luke's narrative. After years of research, mm. 
literally digging up the evidence, Ramsey was forced to conclude that Axe was actually historically accurate. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. amazing to me. And another thing is an Axe is that Luke mentioned in there 32 countries, 54 cities, 9 Mediterranean islands. He also mentions 95 persons, 62 of which not named anywhere in the New Testament. And his references where checkable was always correct. This is truly remarkable and the fact that the political and territorial situation of his day was a state of almost constant change. Only inspiration can account for Luke's precision of what mm, he wrote down. Mm, That's amazing mm, to me. Mm. I, I truly, you know, I used to be sceptical of the Bible. I never believed it once. In fact, I don't know about you, Gary, but I believed in Father Christmas. <laughs> and I remember one time in New Zealand... Um, at Christmas time, I asked my dad for a horse, and I, I fully expected a horse to be out there in the shed when mm. I came out. I went out. I remember that. I still remember it now. I got a cap gun, one of those old silver cap guns, and I was really shocked. I thought this was happening. I was always skeptical of the Bible because I didn't understand the Bible, and I'd never read it, really read it, but I was skeptical of it because I thought it was a challenge. I thought it was... Um, uh, because of my lifestyle, I thought it was um, going against what I was doing. You know, I saw it as a, a threat to me. Mm-hmm. And, and and then you can take scripture in places mm. and justify some things mm. when you do, if when you mm. don't line up those texts. And that's the thing, Pastor. You've got to line up the text of the Bible because you can go astray. Hey, just explain what you mean by that, because that's that's actually a really important concept that we need to pick up on. What do you mean by line up the text? Well, when you get a text from a certain subject, you must you must put them all together. You can't just take one or two and take books from outside of the Bible to justify what they mean. For instance, um, for instance, a state of the dead, for instance, it says there the thief on the cross says, Today I'll be with you and you'll be with me in paradise, Jesus said to the thief, you know. But in the old days, you know, they didn't have any commas. So what he was saying was, Today I say to you, you one day you'll be with me in paradise. So he was not saying that the thief would be in with Jesus in paradise because Jesus was in the tomb for three days. Mm, it's mm, impossible. Mm. Take the one text, read yeah. it the way it says it. And you'd yeah. think, yes, we're up there in heaven. Yeah. I, I remember one time somebody actually used the illustration. They uh, uh, they said, uh, uh, you know, they were wanting direction from the, the Lord, so they... Uh, so they opened up their Bible and uh, they uh, they hit the the text. Uh, Judas hanged himself, and they thought, well, that doesn't make much sense. So they opened their Bible again with their finger, hit another text, and uh, hit the text. Go thou and do likewise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, that. Eric. It's 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 so possible, isn't it, yes. for us to take things out of context within the scriptural setting. Mm. And it's, it's, it's when things are taken out of context that you can actually be taken up a, taken up the garden path, uh, in a way that you, you don't, you don't want to be taken. You don't want to be led astray. But by doing what you've suggested, what actually takes place is you start to get a line. You start to get a sense of the scriptures are, are making a major point on this particular issue. That's right. And I think that when you do that, and I mean, the, the Bible is very, very clear that you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He's divine. He is the Word that came. 
you know, and when we when we do that and accept that, we start to change inside out by what we read and what we watch. Because I mean, the world conditions us. I mean, you go into a a super a, a store today and they play cer- certain music to make you buy. It's it's all there in, in evidence, you know. And uh, so what we have to do then is we study the word, and the word changes us. Um, sometimes we know what's wrong. We confess our sins, and we see that, and we want to change from that. But other things, he changes us from. Like for instance, the forgiveness of others. Mm. You know, I've got a Christian friend who, um, uh, a very close friend of mine whose daughter was killed by, well, wasn't killed actually, was hit by a a drunk driver. He was driving the wrong side of the road and she went through a lot of pain and still isn't right today. And um, my friend, John, he actually went to see the parents Mm. and to see this guy who did it and said, look, we forgive you. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it, I don't know how I would react to that. I mean, you know, you that, know. That, that's incredibly powerful, isn't it? You know, that, that's incredibly powerful. In fact, one of the subjects I'd actually like us to deal with for a whole week, and I think we may even do it next week, actually, is this whole subject of forgiveness, mm-hmm. because this issue of forgiveness is just so important. It's one of the cardinal teachings of Scripture, and we need to understand what it's actually saying and what it isn't saying. Mm-hmm. And so, this is an issue that I really want us to want us to. I, I really Thank you for bringing that up. But you know, Eric, one of the things that uh, stands out to me is uh, is John chapter chapter eight. Uh, Christ actually says an amazing things. Uh, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then Christ says this, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Mm. I love that because what Christ what Christ is doing here is presenting a thing called truth. Now, how does it work? How does truth make us free? Well, you know, to me, as I as I read that, I've sort of often thought about this in terms of um, almost a mathematical equation. More truth equals more freedom. Mm. More truth, more free. For example, I discover truth about uh, about forgiveness, mm. and what do I receive? Peace. Mm. I discover truth about the soon coming Savior, and what do I receive? I receive hope. Mm. I dis- discover truth about a rest day and the Sabbath, and what do I discover? I discover rest. Mm. You see, more truth gives more freedom. And to me, this is the beautiful thing about the Scriptures because what we find in the Scriptures is this amazing picture of truth. Now, we're going to come to this in just a little, uh, well, I hope in just a, just a few minutes' time because it's important that we dig, I think, a little bit more into this subject. But, Eric, back to you again. I'm cutting, I'm cutting you off. No, Sorry fine. about that. I, I, what you're saying is right, you know, like, Freedom is also found in things in the Bible that we as humans would think quite burdensome, like the law. Mm. The law brings us actually freedom. And David talks about that. He says it's a delight to do the law, you know. And the law is actually there for our protection. And uh, it's also because when we, when we do wrong or when we stray and do things, it's emotionally goes inside and it, it's like a rippling effect that affects our family and others. So the Lord actually 
brings us freedom because it brings us to a place where God can actually work through us because we reveal our sins to him. It's mm. not, you can't fake it. Yeah, yeah. You can't fake it. And God is, is the one that knows, you know. And so uh, it's very important, I believe, what you're saying is, and Jesus came to this earth to show us because the people here on earth, the Christians at the time, were being burdened by man-made laws. Mm. And he came to show the spirit of the law, to bring freedom to those. He said, but I you know, Eric, one of the things that I love is that even – I love that text that you just quoted because you're actually quoting, of course, from Psalm 19. Mm. And one of the things I love about that is what David actually says about the law because today there's these incredible negative connotations about the law uh, in the Old Testament right through the entire uh, Christian world. And yet in Psalm 19, uh, this is what you were just quoting and this is what David says. I imagine David sitting under a tree, strumming a, a his harp or a guitar or whatever he had. Uh, he says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, more than much fine gold. They're sweeter also than honey. And the honeycomb, you know, lots of people throughout the years have um, have sung about, you know, I mean, their, you know, their, their girl and, uh, uh, you know, the, the truckies have, have sung about their trucks. But here David is actually making a song about the law of God. Mm-hmm. Apparently he saw something very, very good in it. Do you know, mm-hmm. to me, this is something really beautiful, something that I think the majority of the Christian world has actually missed out on. Uh, in our in our contemporary world, yeah, it's amazing. You know, before I was a Christian, I used to think that you know that the Christians were burdened down by all these rules and regulations and laws. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I thought I had the freedom, yeah. the freedom to do what I liked, uh, to yeah. drink and to gamble. Uh, follow the I used to follow the the trots when I was a young boy, uh, following the horses and into all that. And I thought I had the freedom, but I, I didn't. I actually was being weighed down by waking up with a hangover, by being sick all the time, by yeah. gambling my money away. And I was yeah. actually in a cycle that that um, that the devil had me. He had me trapped, and I thought I had freedom. Yeah. But then when I came to the Lord, I can still remember that Daniel 2, I still remember reading those scriptures and seeing, had my eyes open. I, little hair I've got left. Back then I had long <laughs> hair, and I remember it standing up because I used to go to the um, – to some of the wonderful lectures, um, Billy Otto, old Pastor Billy Otto ran missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd sit there just and en- wrapped with it because yeah. it was bringing me freedom. The words of God brings yeah. us freedom. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, what it's all about. Yeah, I, I think you make a, a, that, that is a powerful point. And you know, there are so many who, you know, they've never actually come to had the opportunity. To, to study the Word of God and in not studying the Word of God, in not coming to an under, they've, they've missed so much of the freedom that it does actually give. You know, uh, the, the truth will make you free. What a picture Jesus paints of His Word. Yes. Eric, we need to go to a little bit of music and to an, to an ad. Uh, I, I love uh, this particular song, Anthem Lights, Because He Lives and My Redeemer Lives Together. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all 
Every same God that spins things in orbit Runs to the weary, the worn and the weak And the same gentle hands that hold me when I'm broken They conquer death to bring me Jesus save me and from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome again to Faith FM Drive Time. Big questions for God with Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare. Uh, This is the program where we look each week at some of the difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. If you have questions that you'd like us to address, you can text them to our text at 0438 066635. And today I've got with me Eric Hoare, uh, currently a recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Church. And we've been talking about the question, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium? And we're talking particularly about what the Bible says about itself. Is it that different to a novel? Eric, I, I broke in on what you were sharing. Please continue. That's all right. I was going to just say, uh, getting towards the end of the program, that Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, Pastor Gary, the figures show us that the Bible still sells between $425 million and $650 million worth of Bibles go out each year. It's amazing. And even the bestseller Harry Potter, which had some years of, uh, of tremendous success, it's amazing how the Bible stands up to all this time to still being one of the top sellers. Mm. And to me, that is amazing that 
uh, the Hebrews 3.12 warns Christians to take care against having a heart of unbelief. The only way to properly diagnose our condition is through what the Word is saying. In other words, what we've got here is a, uh, is a, is a book that's been given to us by a super, by its own claim is by supernatural inspiration. The inspiration actually has proof, particularly from history, from archaeology, from uh, fulfilled prophecy, so we can faithfully rely on what it what it says, but then you used an interesting term there just a minute ago that I, I struggle with a little bit. It it's quicker and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. I mean, that's an analogy. What what does that actually mean? I mean, what what do you mean when you say that? Hmm. Well, I think that you know sometimes in our lives we we to be cut to the soul, if you like. Mm-hmm. To actually have uh, to be woken up, to be asleep, because one of the things that I I have to guard against, Pastor Go, waiting for Jesus to come, is that I can become complacent. I've read a lot of it. You know, we're waiting. I, I remember hearing people when I first came into the church that oh, Jesus will come in my lifetime, mm. and they started mm. the soul. Mm. But when you read the Word, and when you read as like we talked about the parables, when you read something that that really it kind of stri- struck, strikes you and you think wow you know I haven't seen that or I need to get back to that the double edged sword of course is that it cuts on both sides mm. double edged mm. sword and that's it's it's actually incredibly powerful isn't it because it is. what happens is that the holy spirit has inspired bible writers to write and then when i open the bible and read the same spirit that inspired the writers to write suddenly impacts on my mind. And, uh, you know, as I sort of, um, and it, it challenges me. I mean, th- this is something that I find I, uh, I really enjoy sitting and, and reading the scriptures. I try to read some portion of the scriptures each day. Mm. And, what I find is that continually it's the scriptures that the Holy Spirit uses to impact my mind. Hmm. Have, have you found the same? Yes, and I think too, Pastor Gary, the fact is that what happens is, is that through experience, through God's leading, through reading the scriptures, that we take those scriptures into our hearts and our minds and then that takes us out to experience the power of the God. Because I've found that through experiences with, if you like, people of the world or unbelievers, mm. has changed my mm. Christianity. Mm. Because I understand what Jesus is talking about. I understand the the difficulties out there, the power of sin out there, mm. also in my life, because mm. we're all sinners. Mm. But it's the experience combined with what we read and take into our minds that must move us into action. Mm. Uh, and that's what it's time. We get cut to the bone. We have to do something. We yeah, we just can't yeah. sit around. We have to be woken up, if you like, yeah, and get out yeah. there. And that's what I I believe is a strong part of of being a Christian is being motivated by the Word of God to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're too frightened to talk about the, mm. this. Whole you know, story. you know, one of the things that I um, uh, the great apostle uh, Paul said in writing to the Romans, uh, he, he spoke about faith comes by hearing. Mm. And hearing by the word of God. Yes. So it's apparent that there seems to be something about the word of God that has the power to actually challenge the way that a person is thinking. 
Hmm. Um, and in challenging the way that they're thinking, their actions can then be, be altered into a, a different form of living. Oh, definitely. And that's the power of, of you and I have seen that, Pastor Gary, when you're studying with somebody and they accept it and it's exciting and new to them, yeah. how their yeah. lives change and yeah. they change. You can see it. And they sometimes don't realize they're actually changing themselves. Mm. Sometimes they do, but often they don't. That is the, that is the whole mystery and the wonder of uh of the of the written word or the power of the word is that that it and that is why the book is no longer the bible is not a novel mm. because it is a divinely inspired that changes changes people's lives i mean i can read a my, my wife really loves reading. She'll read more Marvel books than me. Mm. And she gets enthralled in them and says, you must read this book. But it has an emotional connection with her. Mm. But the power of the word changes us so much that you fall in love with what God. I mean, you, if you can imagine in Jesus' day sitting on the hill and listening to his words that brought them freedom from all their burdens. Mm. Mm. They flocked to hear him. They, they just needed to hear him. And that's the whole power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the world needs today because today we have so much fake news and things mm. happening, you know? Yeah, I, I think that you've actually make a – I'm interested that you use that term fake news because everywhere in our world today – you seem to be getting fake news. Even politicians are into fake news. Whereas there is such a thing as, as truth. You know, I mean, this is one of the most amazing things. Um, uh, you know, the protection against fake news is truth. And, uh, you know, and, and yet I'm conscious that there are many who would argue and say, hey, you know, well, it really, truth doesn't matter that much. But to me, the protection against, uh, Tomfoolery and fakery mm. is truth. That's the, yeah. you know, that, that to me is a powerful. But Eric, tell me one more, one more question. How would you respond to somebody who, uh, who said that, hey, look, you know, I really don't need to worry too much about the scriptures because, you know, the Holy Spirit is enough. Because I, I know there are certainly a, a large number of people who I've encountered who would argue that direction that, you know, so long as I've got the Holy Spirit that I, I really don't need to worry about the scriptures too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'd say that you can't have the scriptures without the Holy Spirit. I mean, I have people say to me, you know, why do I need to come to church? Um, we're comfortable in our home. We don't really, you know, we've got God in our lives. Why do we need to go to church? Why do we need to, you know, pull out our Bibles and come to Bible study, you know? And it's like anything else, Gary. If you want to be in part of a, part of Jesus' group, if you like, you've got to know You've got to know everything about them. You want to know mm. what they believe, the rules. You've got to have fellowship so that you get to know one another. It, it's an all-in package. The Holy Spirit wants us to be all in yeah. or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can take these things and say, well, you know, I've got the whole – you can't do it without prayer. You have to have the connection with the Holy Spirit to understand Scripture. Uh, and that's – I mean, the Bible t warns us about not having these um, – our own thoughts and interpretations. We must um, – I mean, the advice of others is so important as well mm. to keep us on track. But I truly believe it's all in or nothing. You know, you've, you've got to have the Holy Spirit that will help uh, to understand the scriptures. And uh, and it's really a it's really a both and, not an either or, isn't it? You know, it's one of those things that you sort of need to need to. Ha you've certainly got to have the Holy Spirit to be able to understand the scriptures, and yet. 
um, to, to simply say, I'm going to, uh, rely on the Holy Spirit and some, and a prompting. I, I remember one time in my ministry, I actually had a, had a fellow, uh, say to me, look, uh, uh, he had actually just, um, dumped one wife, uh, and we was committing adultery with, uh, with another woman, uh, with, he said, the intention of, of marrying the, the other woman. And, uh, he, uh, uh, I actually challenged him on it and he said to me, he said, Gary, I don't see a problem because, uh, the, um, uh, the Holy Spirit has told me that that woman is for me, uh, not my wife. Hmm. And, uh, to me, you know, to me, what's actually happening there is, of course, the Holy Spirit is apparently saying something different to his mind than what the Holy Spirit actually said to the writers of the, of the scriptures. And hmm. basically, the scriptures become a, a testing authority as to whether the Holy Spirit really is speaking. Um, because one of the greatest teachings of scripture is that we serve a God who who changes not. Mm. Well, if I said, you know, that I loved others and then I went home and I went to church and everything was good and I went home and beat up my wife, it shows that I'm not following following yeah, the Holy yeah, Scriptures, yeah. you know. And and that's what it's all about. I mean, you know, I always use Jesus' example in all of this, that Jesus went to the synagogue. He still went, to, even though he, he was divine, he still went, he was at the church, he, he read the Scriptures, mm. and uh, he was administering grace, uh, mercy and grace, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I truly believe that um, what the world needs, I mean, today coming in here, the coronavirus, I had a, I was listening to the news and they are saying that people are sending out with the app that you can download, there's now fake coronavirus messages going out to people from a different source, mm. trying to fool them. And, and it's, it looks like it's coming from a government department. So that's actually what's happening now. Yeah. So people are confused and they don't know what's right and what's wrong. And this is a light way. This is a path. It's a torch. It's a lamp to our feet. It's the way through life and to, and to eternal life, but to have a relationship with Jesus first. Mm, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's when a person uh, has certainly has the relationship with Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit is functioning on their mind, when they're able to take, if you like, the roadmap that is the scriptures, that you can really start to progress in your Christian life. You know, one of the challenges I suppose that I, I sense is that so many actually struggle to progress in their Christian life mm-hmm. because they're simply um, not able to receive the, uh, the, uh, the input that God actually wants to give them. You know, um, one of the most basic principles of scripture is that by beholding we become changed yeah. uh, you know one of the one of the things that that uh, blows me away is when people watch uh, a violent uh, material they tend to start moving their thinking processes start to think um, start moving in a similar direction mm. uh, when th- within the scriptures as the script scriptures start to um, be uh, internalized a person's thinking process hmm. actually starts to change. Yes. And, you know, it, this is so often I've seen the, the Holy Spirit actually using the scriptures to being the change agent that has caused, has challenged their thinking and then they've come closer to Christ as a result of all that they've found in the scriptures. Yeah, just recently. 
a lady has just been studying not long. And she says, "I can't believe what's happening." To me. She said, "I'm not yelling at the kids mu- that much anymore. And they're, mm. they're actually more. We're more closer now since I've only been going a few months studying the scriptures." Mm. She said, "It's just it, it just seems to be happening for me." Yeah. And you're right. It's what you concentrate on because the devil will want to lure you away from whatever is good. He wants evil. In fact, he gets quite angry that we we are doing good. And and the worst time that the devil have a go at you is when you're studying the scriptures or or just starting to get into it. So yeah, I'm very blessed. I mean all my I'm very lucky, Pastor Gary, all my children are, are Christians um and I've been very blessed. And it's simply because I believe that uh that the Holy Spirit, um if you do, put God first Family, you put God first, and then those you love around you second, and yourself third. Yeah, yeah. And the principles then flow out in your life, don't they? That's right. Eric, I'm really conscious that our time is really gone today. I don't even have time to play another another song. Folks, you've been listening to Faith FM. Drive time, big questions for God with Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare. This is the program where we look each week at some of the difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion in the Bible. Today, we've been looking at that question, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium? How much different is it to being a, a novel? Our time is up for today. We really do look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Please remember, however, that Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. May the Lord richly bless you. Please enjoy the Adventist Vocal Ensemble. Make me a channel of your peace. Let me bring your 